you're listening to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Flum as always, and we are currently sitting in the bye week for the New York Giants, and that gives us plenty of time and plenty of opportunities to sit back and evaluate what we currently think about the New York Giants roster, how they shape out as far as depth, and also being able to look forward considering the Giants record right now and there's not much of a chance that they're making the playoffs. Today, though, we have a very special guest, former Big Blue View writer Dan Pazuda, who's going to be chiming in and giving us a a little bit of uh, insight on the position groups as we break them down today and evaluate what the strengths are. How are you doing today, Dan? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. And it's, uh, it's nice to be back on the Big Blue View podcast. It's really great to have you back, Dan. And for those of you that don't know, Dan used to be the previous host of the show with Chris before I came along, as he is currently working for Sharp Football as a writer. So on today's show, we are going to be giving you a breakdown and an analysis of the current Giants roster and where it stands. And the way we're going to be doing that is giving you the strongest and the weakest position groups by offense and defense. So to kick things off, what do we think is the strongest position group for the offensive side of the ball? Well, we're starting off with a feels like a tough question because it <laughs> it almost feels like none of the above. Um, I mean, if you think about it on offense, it probably has to be running back just because of Barkley, but we also see how that hasn't exactly translated into a good offense lately. Um, so I think it, this all depends on how you feel about Daniel Jones right now, which I think is probably every conversation about the Giants now and going forward. It's every conversation Chris and I had uh, when I was hosting the podcast uh, since Jones, before Jones got drafted, we were talking about him like since November of last year. Um, so I think it's about how you you figure out what you think about Jones right now, whether you think he's progressing as a passer. He's got two games this year with four touchdown passes. Those are great. Um, He's also needed those touchdown passes because he's gotten himself into trouble with uh, taking sacks and fumbling um, some interceptions. You have to wonder if those fumbles are, you know, potentially uh, like a fatal flaw in his pocket presence. Um, So if you're going to overlook those, then I think you feel really good about Jones. If you're really worrying about whether those are going to improve, then I think quarterback still remains an issue also. Yeah. You know, I just, don't know what to make of Jones yet. I'm trying to leave off making any serious definitive judgments until after the season and compare where he started, compare where he finishes, and see what kind of growth he has had since being drafted. So just leaving the quarterback position aside, I might actually go with tight end as the strongest position group for the Giants. The emergence of Darius Slayton has been a great surprise i'm not sure anyone really saw that coming but i'm not i'm still not sure the giants receiving core scares much of anybody maybe if you have a secondary like the jets do there the giants receivers will scare you but i still think the tight end might be their best and deepest position group even though evan ingram has once again struggled with drops he wasn't able to block Demarcus Lawrence when, for some reason, they asked him to, and he's currently in the concussion protocol. But when healthy, he should be just a matchup nightmare that every defense in the league has to respect, if not fear. And Red Ellison is 
a solid blocker. He's a solid receiver. He's just a solid all-around tight end. Now, whether or not he's worth the money he's being paid is a whole separate conversation. But if you have a matchup nightmare as your TE1 and a guy who could probably start for a lot of teams as your TE2, that's not a bad place to be. Chris, you bring up a really good point about the tight end group and how deep it is, especially having Rhett Ellison who can play in replacement of Evan Ingram when he's not there. But the other thing that I want to acknowledge is that I I think at the beginning of the season, a lot of people were assuming that the wide receiver position was one that was of significant need for the Giants. But the arising of Darius Slayton and his proof that he can make these big plays and we continue to praise and, and talk highly of him after we break down games, I think that that puts a little bit, a tiny bit more confidence um, in that receiving group. Overall, though, I, I think that the strongest group for me, though, has to be the running back position. When Saquon Barkley's fully healthy, he's a top five running back, top three potentially running back in the NFL. The fact that he can take over a game and also take any carry for a touchdown is really not that comparable to many other people in the league. But it's nice to have a guy like Wayne Gallman that is not a dynamic player that is going to take over like Saquon Barkley can, but he can still have big performances if you need him to take over if Saquon Barkley happens to be hurt or if you need that change of pace. He can be consistent running the ball, but also in pass protection and also catching the ball out of the backfield. You know, I think in that, the running back and tight end positions are probably fairly comparable for the Giants. Now, granted, Saquon Barkley is when healthy, a better player than Evan Ingram is when healthy, but at least the dynamic with the depth chart is similar. Now, I'm sure Dan over on his end is kind of grinding his teeth a little bit that the Giants' two strongest position groups on offense are probably running back and tight end, not the most, um, we'll say efficient position groups when it comes to adding value to an offense. Sure. I think that's a part of it. And we've discussed this a lot, but then I think when you look at the giants specifically, and again, this is conversations we have had multiple times. I know you guys have also had this conversation uh, because I've been listening to you guys uh, each week is those are the strongest positions of the giants. And even if you wouldn't ideally build a team that way, um, even on the giants, they're not the positions getting used most effectively either. You have to wonder about Saquon Barkley's usage. He's still not getting used uh, efficiently in the passing game. We just had a game where he rushed 13 times for one yard um, with a lot of inefficient runs up the middle. They're not even using him that way. And you still have Evan Ingram, uh, who's not getting targeted down the field as much as someone of his athletic ability probably should be, although that's gotten a little better. Um, But still... Uh, these are the two best positions and potentially your two best players on offense still aren't getting used to their capabilities. So that also puts a wrench into having them be the best players and the best positions going forward. Yeah, that really does create some concern because we're talking so highly about two specific players, but time and time again, we don't see them using them to their ultimate potential because they can be both, like I, I said, game changers, but not really using them in the best possible light and and not getting them those high-quality touches. So transitioning now from talking about the strongest position group, what do we think is the weakest? And we probably all have the same answer here. I don't think there can be any question as to the fact that the offensive line is 
easily the weakest group on the Giants' offense. And that's, to me, concerning for a couple of reasons. The first being just the sheer amount of resources, the money, draft capital, uh, what went into the trade to acquire Kevin Zeitler, just all of that. And it's not just that the offensive line is bad. It seems to be playing worse by the week. You know, I, I love Football Outsiders' adjusted sack rate, and it has been just cratering over the last couple of weeks. Even if you take out last week with you know three starters out for most of the game, their adjusted sack rate was still worse than it was in 2018, and a lot worse than it was in 2017. It, it is just an, it is just not a good thing that the offensive line isn't just not improved, but getting worse, apparently. Yeah, so what's really interesting about this is this is kind of more of an offensive line built for Eli Manning, which kind of makes sense considering everything we heard heading into the season was supposed to be that Eli Manning was going to be the starter. So if you look at ESPN's uh, pass block win rate, which measures offensive line success within the first two and a half seconds after the snap, right now the Giants are 17th, which is about average. That's that's fine. Um, last year they were uh, in the low 20s. So they are winning are early in the down, which is good, but the longer the down goes, the more likely they are to blow blocks. And that's been really bad uh, for Nate Solder. That's been bad for uh, Mike Remmers. So the two tackles are, are not where you would like them holding blocks longer. But Daniel Jones is a guy who has now been holding the ball a little longer. If he's not getting that ball out on on his first read, he's taking you know the two or three hitches and trying to decide where to go. That makes the job a little harder on the offensive line. So I think all of this kind of combines to um, an offensive line that looks much worse than it somehow you know looked like it could have been at the start of the season. It's interesting that you bring that up because it, it is a bit noticeable that at, at times Daniel Jones is holding the ball very long and, and at, at times it's causing himself to hang himself out to dry because the offensive line cannot block for that long. But overall, I, I think there are some s- still glaring needs going forward because of the ages of the two tackles in Nate Solder's, uh, Nate Solder and Mike Remmers. And also John Jalapio, I have, have never really been a fan of his performance. I, I would argue right now the most glaring position that they need to replace is the center position just from the amount of errors he has in slide protection the amount of errors he has in picking up blitzes, just uh, things that you would assume would be simple and consistent from a guy that's been in the the league for a few years now. So I I think there are probably a a, a couple um, necessary needs along that offensive line, and I'm at least a little bit confident in guys like Zeitler and Hernandez. Yeah, and the center position is kind of that linchpin on the offensive line. The tackle positions, particularly the left tackle, you know, we've Dan and I have talked a lot about the right tackle position being a major market inefficiency based on their importance for how much they're paid or relatively how little they're paid. But the center is the guy who handles the ball every snap. He's the one who calls protections. He is the one who is delivering that double team in the running game, working up to the second level. And Jalapio just has not really lived up to the faith the Giants put in him, you know, when they named him the starter and really traded away Brett Jones last year. 
Yeah, and I think when you look at the interior of the offensive line, which is really important for the Giants when they want to run as much as they do, and they've been running up the middle, he's the clear weak link in that offensive uh, interior trio. Uh, If you look at uh, Sports Info Solutions' uh, blown block rates, uh, Zeitler and Hernandez both have sub-1% blown block rates. Uh, they're, They're holding up well in in pass blocking, which is what you would expect. Uh, Jalapio has a 1.5% uh, blow block rate, which for a center is is quite bad. Um, you would expect someone in the middle of the line to have a much lower rate than that. Uh, and then, of course, the, the tackles are much worse. So, And when you think about offensive line, it is, it's a weak link position. Um, you would rather have five okay guys than two great ones and three bad ones. Right now, the Giants have t- maybe two great ones and they have three bad ones. And, and that's not a good place uh, to put yourself in that offensive line because those matchups are the easiest to exploit. As you can tell, we have a consensus here that the offensive line is the major weak link for the offense and their position groups. Now we're going to take a look at the defense, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Giants defense this season has had so many different issues across the board, whether it's consistency in run defense, consistency in pass defense performances from various defensive backs. A lot of things have played in and also made very clear to us where the strengths lie and also where some of those major weak points are. So to start off on a bit of a positive note, Dan, where do you think is the strongest position group on this defense? By default, it almost has to be the interior defensive line just because of all the resources that have been put into it between Dexter Lawrence and now the the trade for Leonard Williams. And those are good players, again, but we're also seeing that the strength of the defense is probably one of the most inefficient places to have a strength. But uh, if you can start to build around a guy like Williams, if you re-sign him, and, and Dexter Lawrence, who has been much better than I expected, especially uh, in in his pass rush, uh, if you can you know, start to build around those guys, then, then you have something on the interior. But really, I think that's the only thing you can consider a strength right now. I was going to jokingly say uh, linebacker and corner, but no, really the defensive tackle position, interior defensive line, depending on which nomenclature you prefer to use, really is the sole strength of the Giants defense. And Dan pretty much put it perfectly. Dexter Lawrence has been a 
nice surprise. He's playing a playing the position fairly similar to what he did in Clemson. I know a lot of people looked at him coming out of Clemson in the draft. He's six foot four, three hundred and forty pounds. He's a nose tackle, right? No, not really. He is a an industrial sized under tackle, three technique, or defensive end, and that's how the Giants have used him. And when he's allowed to get upfield to use his really explosive power to create problems behind the line of scrimmage, he can succeed there. And, you know, we have talked a bunch. I might be Dalvin Tomlinson's biggest fan, partly because he's made me look really smart for calling him Snacks Light back in the 2017 draft. But those two guys are playing very well. Leonard Williams should be a good addition, especially if he could get to the quarterback a little bit quicker. B.J. Hill, I don't think he is quite lived up to the promise of the 2018 season, but he is a really good, really good fourth defensive tackle interior defensive lineman. So that is a good stout rotation. And I think a lot of teams would be happy to have it. Unfortunately, I think the Giants would also be happy to have a little bit more around them. It's a bit of an old school mentality in in having this much depth at the defensive line. And, And Dan, you pointed out the lack of efficiency in having that much depth and being so strong at a position group that in a modern NFL might not be as important, but they've spent all these assets, they've spent all these draft picks, whether it's through a trade or selecting somebody in the draft on taking all these guys. And this is another group that I think we can all agree on is the overall strength. If we're talking about the weakest player on here is BJ Hill, that's a pretty good player to have your weakest at a position group because Every single one of those guys could easily start on any team in the NFL right now and perform decently. Um, they've all made big plays. They've all taken up a lot of attention. Now it's just a matter of how well they can create space and opportunities for the guys playing behind them. So that being said, that leads in perfectly to what we all think is the weakest on the defense. And this might be one where we all have another agreement on. I think we want to say, you know, corner and secondary, but I think it's really anything that has to do with coverage. And that includes the linebackers because the linebackers aren't very good in coverage. I, Chris and I spent the many, many uh, minutes on this podcast talking about the coverage abilities of Alec Ogletree or the lack thereof. Uh, I think that has shown. Uh, and then when you go into all the other places in the secondary that have just not been good. Uh, but when you look at Jaroris Jenkins has probably been the best secondary player, and that would be surprising to say uh, if you looked at the, you know, the first couple of games. Um, but DeAndre Baker has obviously struggled, but uh, he's a rookie. But then you see some you know lack of effort um, on his parts and, and following up some plays, and that's more concerning than just rookie struggles. Um, and then you, know, you look at they've, they've struggled to find a slot corner, which is you know, now one of the most important positions on a defense considering how often um, – NFL teams are in, you know, 11 personnel and targeting the middle of the field. You need someone like that. I think Grant Haley was maybe a little better than uh, a lot of people would think, but also hasn't been great. And I think Corey Ballantyne has, has struggled a little bit as since he's been moved in. Um, and so, and then Antoine Bethea has, 
I, th- I think been fine from what I've watched, but again, not a great free safety right now. So you would like that a little more. I think Jabril Peppers has been much better in the box than he has been in coverage. And I think that's kind of been the book on him uh, since going back to Michigan. So I think almost anything that has to do with coverage right now is the weak link for this Giants defense. And that is a scary proposition when the pass is so prominent in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. And Janoris Jenkins is who he has always been. You know, a really high variable corner. He can either have just great reps where he takes a receiver out of the game or he can make huge plays, you know, get a great momentum changing interception. Or he can just look almost lost out there, especially when he makes those gambles, takes those guesses, and is wrong. We have seen those rookie struggles and, like like Dan said, the lack of uh, effort in some cases from DeAndre Baker. Yeah, I think Antoine Bethea, I think he is – he knows what to do. He knows where to be. But he just I'm, – I'm not sure he really has the wheels anymore to get there and execute. Uh, Peppers, you know – I think the NFL might have been right when they worked him out at the combine as a linebacker and not a safety because he really is at his best when he is at that pseudo linebacker position, that kind of strong safety, weak side linebacker hybrid. Basically, the money backer, except now that is Deion Buchanan or Alec Ogletree, depending on the depending on the down and the package called. So really just coverage in general for the Giants is a problem. I think it's kind of interesting that on neither side did we mention the edge position. Yeah, I think that is interesting to acknowledge. And I was just thinking that you can't make a full commitment to negatively speaking on the linebacking group because the edge position is not 100% there yet, but it's very promising. Lorenzo Carter continues to develop and get better. He's very long. He's very lean. Um, And also Marcus Golden is the leading sack getter for the Giants defense. So the pieces are there. It just needs to be finally put into place. And it also doesn't help that not a lot of guys are covering behind them. If I were to make a a firm pick on what position group I don't think is the best is, or is the worst rather, is the defensive backs, but more specifically the corners. Easily the most disappointing because they spent all of this draft capital in selecting I believe it was three corners, one of them being Julian Love that was uh, changed to a safety. But DeAndre Baker and Corey Ballantyne, we haven't seen a ton from Ballantyne uh, because he's been hurt. But DeAndre Baker continues to loaf. He continues to be in the wrong position at the wrong time, continues to make the wrong decisions, not know the proper call. So a guy that you take in the first round, you would at least expect to have not an a, a, an incredible impact, but at least some, and at least show some good things on tape. And I haven't really seen a lot from him. I just continue to see things that frustrate me. Hopefully, with time, things do continue to develop. You still have Sam Beal, who finally got some playing time this past week. There's still plenty of time for them to figure it out, but right now it, it has to be the weak point. You mentioned Marcus Golden, and I'd actually like to get Dan's take on him because he's a player I'm going to be doing a film study on at some point before we kind of get into our week 12 uh, grind. He is really a curious case to me because he doesn't seem to win very often, but when he does win, he finishes at the quarterback. 
And I believe he is also one of the least double-teamed pass rushers, edge players in the NFL. So I'm definitely going to be taking a long look at him in the coming days and figure out just what is happening and why. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting case um, because he's not, you know, among the league leaders in pressure rate. So he's not, you know, dominating in that way. If you look at, uh, if you look at pressure rate, I uh, have it pulled up. He's getting pressure on 10.3 percent of his pass rushes, which is decent. Um, he's getting to the quarterback. He has 15 quarterback hits, which is great. He's converting about 43%, which is just about average uh, of those quarterback hits into sacks. Uh, he has a 2.3% sack rate, which is it's fairly high. So when he is getting to the quarterback, he is finishing, which is great. It's kind of like the opposite of Olivier Vernon, who got a lot of pressure, didn't always get to the quarterback uh, and and complete it. So uh, Marcus Golden has been has been very good. He's not, you know, the high end a pass rusher who's going to just win one on one at a very consistent rate. But when he does get the win, he knows how to get to the quarterback. And I think that's that's something that's good. That's maybe not something you want as your number one pass rusher, which the Giants have right now. If you could have him as a number two, maybe figure out someone who could potentially be a number one on the other side. Um, then then I think you're a little more set up there. But yeah, he's. I mean, especially for what the Giants invested in him what the Giants invested in him, uh, he's been a great addition. So to wrap things up here in after we've discussed and broke down the positives and negatives of each side of the ball, we're going to now discuss what the outlooks are. So Dan, we'll go to you first. What do you think that the, the outlook is for this team in weeks 12 through 17? Is there really a, a lot of positives to be looking for or could it be a rough few weeks? I'm going to hedge here and say probably a little bit of both. Uh, I wouldn't say it's going to be great. I'm just, it's probably going to be a rough few weeks considering how the first 10 weeks of the season have gone, especially when they come back from the bye uh, at Chicago and against Green Bay. Uh, those those aren't great games. But I think when you have to look at what this team is going to be going forward, I think it all comes down to to Daniel Jones and whether he is going to improve over this next stretch of the season, um, or if he's going to kind of stay what he's been. Uh, like I kind of said at the top, you can look at his touchdown passes, which have been you know great. There have been a lot of those, but then you look at uh, the, the turnovers, especially the sacks and the pocket presence. That, that concerns me as someone who had that as a concern about him coming out of college. Um, so if he's going to continue to stand there, not really recognize pressure and and get hit like he does and, and turn the ball over, that is that is potentially a fatal flaw uh, for me. Um, he's he's okay in some in some metrics. Uh, he's like okay in EPA uh, or expected points added because he does have those those high plays, but but the low plays like the turnovers have him uh, last in uh, DYAR from Football Outsiders has him second to last in DVOA, um, and and that's something that's going to concern me. So I think all of this comes down to what Daniel Jones looks like over this final stretch of games. And that can be how you try to figure out what this team is going to look like going forward. To Dan's point, I think whether or not we view the end of the season positively will really come down to what happens with the roster. Do all of the young players on this team take steps forward? Do even most of them take steps forward? Do we see DeAndre Baker kind of clean up his negative or, yeah, we'll say lazy plays. 
does he do we see better communication in the secondary, especially in zone coverages, which is something that has really held them back? Do we see O'Shane Zimenez kind of reassert himself as that third down pass rush guy? Do we see Daniel Jones clean up the turnovers and maybe take a step forward in getting through his progressions more quickly and you know hopefully showing better pocket presence? I'd really like to see him not take his hand off the ball and try to throw while there is literally somebody in his lap. I'd really like to see that stop. Can we see Saquon Barkley get healthy, uh, Evan Ingram get healthy, Sterling Shepard get healthy? Shepard's a special case. I would not. Obje- I still would not object to seeing him shut down for the remainder of the season. But could we see Darius Slayton you know, continue to take steps forwards and improve, continue to improve his route running and become that really high upside wide receiver three that the best offenses have. The guy that a quarterback can always go to to have a matchup win against whoever a defense's third corner is. If we can see these things, then yeah, it's okay to be optimistic about the last six games, at least from a personnel point of view. Yeah, I think the one big key here with these last few games is that they do have two easy matchups that you could really be expecting wins against Miami and against the Redskins. So that 4-12 and 12 range is very realistic for the Giants. But I, I think the more important thing for expectations is seeing continual growth and development from all of these young players that are on this roster, whether it's the first or even the second-year players. There's a lot of young guys on this team that we're waiting to see take that next step and that need to keep growing. Hopefully Daniel Jones in this bye week is able to clean up some of those issues and some of those mistakes. Maybe we see Darius Slayton get some more touches and some more looks and some more opportunities to take over like he did last week. Uh, you know, Hopefully other guys on this defense, like DeAndre Baker, like you pointed out, does clean up some things. Overall, just hoping to see some additional development from the young guys because right now the Giants are pretty clearly out of contention for the playoffs. So that's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Be sure to follow us on Twitter and follow Dan, who uh, thank you for coming on. You can get him on Twitter at at Dan Pizzuta, P-I-Z-Z-U-T-A of Sharp Football. Also, be sure to follow us at Big Blue View and also at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E, and Chris at Raptor M-K-I-I. Have a wonderful rest of your day, folks. 